A coin embedded in a tree glows with heat. A lone peapop plays mournfully. A little girl with white hair weeps in the darkness. A thousand roars rattle the tree line. Watch for these signs, traveler. And if you see them, run. presents Echoes of Exesar, Season 3, Episode 2, Welcome to Ranta. through the underbrush on my way down the plateau. The fog was suffocating. The earth itself seemed alive, desperate to slow me down. Vines, rocks, and tree limbs snared my feet. Insects scurried up my pant leg, biting me a thousand times over. The humid air choked me with its scent of mildew, carrion, and ghostwood. Unable to breathe, I cast aside Solomon's head cap and beard tore off what remained of the black executioner's robes. They laid abandoned behind me as I pressed on. It had only been a few minutes, but already my cotton tunic and breeches were drenched with sweat, clinging to my skin. All around me were the sounds of the jungle, a piercing chitter whoop that shot like a bullet through the sunless canopy, a droning clatter of wood against stone from something with hands in the trees. Beneath me, things rustled unseen, hissing, growling, crooning. Millions of denizens, small cells of one enormous organism. And there I was inside of it, a foreign body, a virus waiting to be destroyed. I had two saving graces, the first was the telltale scarlet orbs in the air. The red jelly bulbs floated like sentinels. Their illumination made them look like old, forgotten gods, peering down at me with judgment. However, they also shed precious light on some of the nearby foliage, allowing me to divine some sense of structure to the jungle. The second was the winding, splintering trail of ice-blue power running through the ground. Every now and again, the trails would be obscured just ahead of me, cueing me to watch out for a fallen tree or a mound of dirt. As I walked, I tried to ignore the growing panic rising in my stomach. My mind raced with questions. How did I get here? Is there an escape? Was I being watched? Followed? Hunted? The force that enveloped my body back in Mira was not unlike the ebon mist. But that's impossible, I thought. Isolde is dead. The mist's power is no more. And the ice-blue veins in the earth. If this was the shade, it felt like no other experience I'd had with it. I recalled the voice I'd heard. 
we will show her together. She will understand her folly. The voice spoke to me as if I knew who it was. Was this a rogue kin I had fought before? An enemy of Isolde's, out for revenge against her agents? Perhaps Lady Songwig was behind this. It may not have been poison, but this whole thing began after she'd scratched me. Had she known I was coming and planned this as a trap? My thoughts were interrupted by a stinging bite on my ankle. Yelping, I lifted my leg. A small lizard had latched on with its fangs. Its mouth overflowed with my blood. I swatted it off me. It struck the ground, wriggled to its feet, and skittered into the mist. I inspected my leg. Two puncture wounds. Bleeding, but not profusely. Besides the initial pain, I didn't feel any peculiar effects. Not immediately, anyway. I pressed on. If it's poison, I'm a dead man anyway, I thought. The sentiment opened up a floodgate of worries in me. I hadn't felt this out of sorts since I first entered the Ebon Mist. I was alone, lost, defenseless, on an island most believed to be a legend. No mist doors, no gadgets from Quinn to aid me, not even a clue as to where I was going next. What in the pit was I to do? One thing came to mind, a cooling balm to soothe the burn of my fears. Father, if I was right, and this was indeed the Isle of Ranta, then I was not alone on this island. According to the Inquisitor, my father was on the island as well. Perhaps he found a way to bring me here? Where light dies and days are dire. The Inquisitor's words rang in my head, like the bells of a church in a ghost town. Where the gentle folk stalk and the groom prepares his vows. I stopped a moment. The groom. My mind flashed to the temple of the pierced man. The mural on the wall. Winvarian and Illithane a valley of corpses at their feet. Flowers for the bride, I whispered to myself. It's him, I thought. I didn't know how, and I had no proof beyond the Inquisitor's cryptic words. But it couldn't be a coincidence. When Varian, god of frights, if any being could manipulate the Ebon Mist after Isolde's death, it would be her creator. No doubt I'd angered him after the Black Sun incident. Perhaps stranding me on a deadly island was his way of thanking me. Still, if his intention was to kill me, why not get it over with? As the God of Eternity, I suppose he had time to spare. And there were limits to all the God's power, as the Pierced Man had explained. At the moment, it was all academic. Whatever the reason, I was here. And while I'd been prepared for death in Mira, I'd be damned if I was going to take it here without a fight. I continued my descent. After a few more hours of sliding, stumbling, and swatting bugs, the fog began to clear. Through the haze, I saw past the tree line to the foot of the mountain. There was a shoreline, 
opening up into a stormy bay. Waves slashed the shore like tiger's claws, lightning brewed in the lifeless dark clouds above. Astonishingly, I also saw buildings. Huts, longboats, a single lonely pier. A port town. I was confused. Maybe this wasn't Ranta after all. If it was, what Exeser was a colony doing here? I hastened, with my newfound hope propelling me forward. Huts mean people, I thought. Longboats mean escape. Breaking through the remnants of the fog, I closed in on the town. My feet froze when I saw the first skeleton. It laid at the entrance of the town, dressed in mangled rags, shattered limbs, gouges in the bone. The body was twisted and bent unnaturally, as though the person had been tortured before being killed. Upon closer inspection, I noticed the horns poking out from its skull, buried by the sand. Draylish. I peered ahead. This poor soul was but a herald for many more. Scores of the dead littered the town. They spilled out of the broken doors and windows, dangled from the tattered rooftops, hid half buried in the sand. Some were entwined, as though consoling one another at the end. Several were pinned to the walls of the huts, feebly grasping rusted blades and arrows lodged in their ribcages. The sight sent my stomach into lurches. This town wasn't just attacked, it was cannibalized. Every building was gutted of its valuables. Trash littered the sand with the dead. The maw of the ocean opened wide, like the gates of the pit come to swallow discarded souls. I stumbled through the sand sluggishly. My body struggled to overcome the feeling of setting foot in this place. I had seen death before, dealt it out, even died myself once or twice. But never before had I felt so judged by the dead. My every step felt transgressive, my breathing disrespectful. Hello? I called out. I could barely hear my own voice above the waves. My eyes scoured each hut for any sign of survivors. Everywhere I looked, there were signs of battle. Dried blood, scorch marks, forgotten weapons. Once I adjusted to the carnage, though, Certain oddities arose. I noted several pairs of skeletons with their hands around each other's necks. Each were dressed in the same clothing as the other villagers. Everyone else looked to be either defending themselves or running away. What were these people doing? A quarrel between rivals, perhaps? No. There were enough pairs like this that it couldn't be a coincidence. Another clue was laying all around the bodies. Animal matter. Feathers. Shed snakeskin. Loose fangs. Patches of fur. Lay strewn about the battlefield. Some of it was stuck to the skeletons by viscera. Other pieces poked out of the sand 
or filled the insides of the huts. Dozens of different species, many natural enemies of each other, all converging here. Why? A glint from one of the bodies caught my eye. I knelt down in front of one propped up against a palm tree. Embedded in the skull was a large silver coin about the size of my palm. Larger than a gleam, I thought. But this was unlike any currency I had seen before. This looked more ceremonial. Carved into the silver was a swirling pattern, marking a shape not unlike a torchlight. It was thick, too, sticking out of the bone like a cork stopper. Did this happen before the person died, or after, I thought? And for what purpose? Filled with foreboding, I decided to check more bodies for the coin. I wish I hadn't. Skulls, arms, rib cages. Nearly all of them had one pressed somewhere into their bones. What did this mean? My first thought, oddly enough, was the expense. Based on the population and the weight of the coin, there had to be a small fortune's worth of silver left buried in these bodies. Perhaps someone got bored of simply burying their treasure, tried to smuggle it away, where most would be too frightened or disgusted to search. Still, there was something deliberate about it, like it was a statement of some kind. As I checked the bodies for coins, I drifted down the main road, towards the beach. My foot struck something hefty in the sand. Kneeling, I dug it up. A vellum scroll, bound by a sheath of leather and wrapped in twine. The bones of a severed hand clutched it, prying the scroll from the bone's grip. I unraveled it. It was hard to make out the words in the dark. Rain and wind had rotted the vellum. I held the scroll close to my face. Squinting, I could just barely make out a few words written in the trade speech. Charcoal and ash, I murmured. Alone Peepa plays. Don't give her your name. Feral soul. The final word had no context, but it pierced my stomach like a dagger all the same. Run. Wrapping up the scroll, I rose to my feet. A whip of lightning torched the sky. It scoured the town with light. Every picture of death in the sand lit up. Every nook and darkened archway of the huts could be seen. All was bright, except for the black silhouette in front of me. Thunder struck, drowning my scream as I fell backwards. The thing that stood before me was humanoid in shape, but it was neither person nor beast. It was a void, a core of darkest black, with a blur of light at its edges. Its limbs and head seemed to warp in and out of sight, sort of like a person floating on the surface of water. No sound came from it. In fact, I couldn't help but feel the world grow quieter in its presence. The beating of waves, the warring of the skies. 
It all sounded so very far away now. The void link stood perfectly still as rain began to pour. I watched as the Voidling ripped raindrops out of the sky into itself like a vacuum. I gaped at the Void, terrified. Was it watching me? Was it even aware of my presence? It had its chance to kill me. It still could, I wagered. I had no defenses, no way of knowing how to fight a thing like this. Was this Winvarian's doing? Perhaps by manipulating the ebon mist, he... No, I thought. The mist dealt in shadows, in the hidden pathways of the world. This felt like something else entirely. Like something that did not belong on this plane of existence. What are you? I tried to say. It didn't come out. My jaw chattered, but my lips and tongue were petrified. Or what if I did speak, and just couldn't hear it? What if my very voice had been stolen by the Voidling? My teeth clenched. You've got nothing but your words, Vondaire, I thought. Use them if you want to live. My name is Claude Vondaire, I said. Indeed, my voice rang true that time. Relieved, I pressed on. I mean you no harm. Something brought me here. I, I, I don't know how. I'm trying to get home. Please. An entire era could have passed in the silence that followed. I was about to say more, when suddenly the voidling burst into a brilliant light. Gasping, I shut my eyes. A hissing, vibrating screech came out of the voidling. So loud, the air around me rippled. I covered my ears, but it was no use. The lightened sound penetrated me, threatening to burn me to cinders. It was then I recalled the words of the scroll, and my heart seized. Was this what it was warning me about? My name, I thought in horror. I gave it my name, the light intensified point where I could see the Voidling's shape from inside my eyelids. It changed, shedding its limbs and elongating its torso. It looked like a tear in the fabric of reality. The screeching built to a crescendo. I felt blood begin to trickle out of my ears. I wailed, racked with pain and terror. And then, it stopped. All was dark again. Sounds of rain, thunder, and waves filled the town once more. The raindrops kissed my skin, no longer caught in a vacuum. Shaking, I chanced to look at where the voidling had been. It was gone. However, something lay at the foot of where it had been. Metallic, egg-shaped the size of a small boulder, smoking like a meteorite. It pulsed with a warm, golden glow. Hesitant, I inched closer to inspect it. Six black metal bands overlapped each other, wrapping around a pristine glass oval that housed the energy. 
etched into the bands were various signs and symbols I didn't recognize. They thrummed with unseen power. My heart plunged into my gut. I collapsed as my shocked muscles caved in at the sight. I'd only ever seen one thing like this before. The focus gems in Sunscape. Alzarian devices built to siphon a fright's power. But those were so much smaller. No more than marbles. They were designed to catch a fraction of a fright's power, and only for a single use. But this... I knew what this was. Quinn, Isolde, and I had discussed it many times before. It was the tool of the Fright's enslavement. The match that lit the fires of war between their people and the Alzarians. The original sin that eventually led to the Sundering. This was a soul quiver. A cage built for a Fright. world behind me. Someone, a living person, was leaning on a palm tree several feet away. A coin sang through the air as they flipped it casually. Small flickers of lightning let me see their features. It appeared to be a man, human, bare-chested and wearing charred red trousers. His skin was the color of charcoal with ash-white stripes of body paint running down his torso and arms. Bandages covered his hands, but his fingers were exposed. The coin he flipped looked to be the same size and silver make as the ones in the skeletons. Lastly, I saw his mask. As its metal sheen reflected the lightning, I saw it was two faces split down the center. The right half was white, and depicted a neutral human face. The left half was a smoldering black skull, with inset rubies depicting the embers. A leather strap kept it on, buried beneath a wildfire of tangled red hair. You found it, said the man. His voice was lilting and raspy, and muffled beneath the mask. Yet despite the thunder and rain, I could hear him perfectly. His tone seemed genuinely impressed. The coin never stopped flipping as he spoke. Got to say, never thought it would be here. Searched the place good last time. No more meat on the bone, I reckoned. Cautiously, I rose to my feet. I stumbled. My balance was off. I heard a ringing in my ears. My stomach roiled. Side effects from the screech, I noted. Are you the one responsible for this? I asked. Sure enough, my own voice was dampened by the ringing. The man in the mask flipped his coin and shrugged. Sort of, he said airily. I could still hear him just fine. Was there some magic at work here, too? I had some help. Friends of mine. You can meet them, if you want. 
But first I'm going to need to take that off your hands. I looked down at the soul quiver. It hadn't even finished steaming yet. Did this person see the voidling? Was he even aware of what this was? I noted the man's body paint. Charcoal and ash. If the voidling had been one of the clues from the scroll, this was surely another. Run, the scroll had said. But I did not run. Not yet. I didn't yet understand what was happening, or what the secret of this island was. But if what this masked man said was true, then he aided in the slaughter of hundreds, just to get to the fright inside this device. Like the lightning above, my mind flashed with images of New Alzar, the horrors inflicted by Star Sired and her Sky Touchers. I'm afraid not, I replied. I've seen my share of butchers lately. Giving them what they want only tends to feed the fire. More flipping of the coin. The masked man chuckled, then sighed lowly. Not to be rude, he said, a shade abrasive. But I'm in a bit of a hurry. I didn't need to see his face to sense the threat. I paused, weighing my options. I knew nothing about this man. He could be a kin for all I knew. Or maybe he was hoping to become one with his newfound quarry. Either way, he was dangerous. I was in no condition for a fight. But if I flee now, gods only know what he'll do with this thing, I thought. I tried to hide my shaking knees as I knelt down by the soul quiver. Gingerly, I touched it. It was hot, but not scalding. I picked it up in my arms. It was like lifting a crate of metal ingots. I stood up, facing the masked man in defiance. My muscles tensed and my heart pounded. I knew there was no going back once the next words left my mouth. By all rights, I would likely die tonight. On a strange island, by a stranger's hand, over a strange device. Well, at least I'm consistent, I thought wryly. You must not have understood me, I spat, summoning my courage. I'll make it clearer. Go prick yourself. The coin fell into the masked man's hand. He closed his fist around it, silently. Then, he bowed his head low, and his torso began to shake. He was laughing, low and bitter. <laughs> More, he hissed. More to himself than to me. It's never enough for you, is it? Always more. With that, the masked man turned to the tree next to him. He slammed his palm, the one holding the coin, into the tree's trunk. There was a searing sound. A plume of smoke trailed out from his palm. When he removed his palm, the coin was lodged into the tree bark, 
It blazed red as a forge. I saw the tree's trunk begin to blacken and decay. Wood turned to charcoal. Leaves dried up and fell. Branches sank and curled. As it happened, the coin seemed to grow hotter until heat waves ebbed from it. It was as if the tree's very life force was being drained by the coin. The masked man turned to me. Wrong choice, my friend. You see, I may be a butcher, but I know a thing or two about feeding fires. I didn't want to wait around to see what he meant. I bolted up the main road, towards the town's entrance. The sand and the soul quiver's weight slowed me to a crawl. Adrenaline surging, I forced myself to pick up the pace. The masked man did not follow. He simply laughed. No matter how much distance I put between us, I heard him clear as day. It was like he was laughing directly into my mind. Had I not focused so much on his laughter, I might have seen it in time. Something tripped me, and I plowed into the sand. The soul quiver launched from my hands, sliding into a sandbank several yards away. I tried to rise, but my leg was stuck. I looked behind me. Eyes. Fiery red eyes, kindled in the hollow sockets of a skeleton. Its brittle hand latched onto my ankle. Its other hand clawed angrily at the ground, trying to seize my other leg. The coin in its skull burned the same bright red as the one in the tree. Its rotted jaw hung slackly, and from its mouth I heard spectral cries and pleads for mercy. I was so stunned by the sight, I nearly missed another bony hand swiping from my head. I jerked my head to the side, just in time to meet eyes with another animated skeleton. Again the burning coin, this time wedged into its arm. Its haunting amber eyes bored into mine. Beyond the second skeleton, I saw more begin to rise. Dozens, then scores. The town was lit by hundreds of scarlet coins. All of them let out a miserable keen. An entire town murdered only to rise again as their killer's thralls. I tried to kick at the skeleton holding my legs, but the second one pinned my arms. I dodged frantically as the skeleton snapped its jaws at my face. As the sound of shambling bones and crying ghosts grew louder, I heard the masked man's voice whisper into my mind. Welcome to Ranta. Echoes of Exeser is a production of Cult 1440. It was written, produced, and sound designed by Nick Walker. Sound effects courtesy of GarageBand, Freesound.org, and Swamp Coast Soundscapes on YouTube. Link in the description. For questions or comments, email us at cult1440productions at gmail.com.